0: I'm afraid I just blew myself.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I am Cammie Black, and I'm joined this week by Rory Baldwin. Hello. And John Anderson. Hi there. Uh, If you're listening to us, then you already know we're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn and anywhere else you can subscribe to podcasts. Uh, You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we've had quite a few since the last episode. Um, Dark Blue Andy, I'm not sure if that's his skin colour or or what. Um, Dark Blue Andy says, always excellent. Nice, short, sweet one. Blue Crush 888, uh, the 888th of the Blue Crushes says, I've been looking for a Scottish rugby podcast for a while. Listening for the first time and really enjoying the chat. Good to hear my own thoughts echoed and challenged. Keep up the good work. Uh and then we had my favourite ever review, which was from uh Johto Jo J O T O Ali. How would you pronounce that? ale
0: I think you're closer with Joale. Johtoale.
1: Sounds Japanese. Um They said, it's a long one this, but it's a good one. I never dreamed that I would find a podcast that would satisfy my interest in Scottish rugby whilst also regularly referencing Frank Sidebottom and the fall over lo-fi indie jingles. I've done a Venn diagram analysis and it seems like an absolutely terrible idea for everyone apart from me, but I'm very glad it exists. Pleasingly shambolic and made with love, I heartily recommend it to all those who share my interests, which is nobody except for the makers of the podcast. Given it's apparently being made specifically for me, I look forward to regular features on the poetry of Ivor Cutler, tips for making vegetarian pies, and a three-hour special on what a throbber Mike Brown is. Keep up the good work. Uh, I have got several recipes for vegetarian pies, including one for a vegetarian Scotch pie. If anyone wants that, because I'm not going to take up the podcast reading that out, um, email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, and I will send you that. Um, you can also get in touch with us. See it's seamless this? You can't see the joins, can you? You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at scott rugby blog and at Cami Black. We're on Facebook, and of course, you can visit the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, you can also join the Scottish rugby forum over on Facebook uh, it's not officially affiliated with us but John you're one of the admins um yep yeah and a lot of the members uh, seem to enjoy what we do um shall we shall we crack on yes why not why not let's do let's do this well we time and we're loved, loved, loved. Yeah, it's Where's Dougie Donnelly, our um, our news, rumours section of the podcast. Um, we've got quite a bit to get through tonight. Uh, first off, uh, Scotland women won big against Ireland, for 12 points to 15. Brian Scobie got in touch on Twitter, who was at the match and um, said that Scotland took the lead through Helen Nelson and they were never behind. Under fierce pressure in the scrum, great forward effort, great defence and great spirit. Um, I assume both of you have seen the Chloe Rowley try that's doing the rounds. Oh, yeah
2: superb
1: yeah no, that's got to be a contender for try of the tournament women's and men's
0: absolute peach
1: winner. Um I think it's good though because I mean Ireland have got a lot more resource um, whether by design or otherwise um, from the women's rugby so it's got to be good that Scotland are, are, something must be going right within the SRU for Scotland to now be competing with the likes of Ireland
2: mm-hmm yeah, I mean I think it's uh, it is I think it it's the same possibly with the sevens, it's just that it's, it's a little bit of increased coaching resource, trying to get some some guys who are a bit more experienced then to do the to do the coaching uh, side of things and I think we're we're starting to see see the, the dividends. I mean, obviously we're gonna have a similar problem to what we do in the, the men's side where the, the depth is, is gonna take a while to develop because um, the player base for for women is even smaller but from what I hear it's growing quite quickly so um yeah hopefully uh, good things ahead
1: um and then elsewhere the under 20s lost uh 30-25 but I think they will quite have 18-3 I think down at half time um and then the other game this weekend was the under 18s uh lost 30-32 in quite a close match um at Murrayfield big news there was um did you know who Either you know who was playing centre for that game?
2: Are they under
1: under 18s? Under 18s for Scotland. I'll take a guess at who was playing number 12.
2: Number 12. Not, one, not, one, not another Graham because he's in the under 20s. Nope. Somebody else's famous child, almost certainly.
1: Yes. Um, Stuart Lancaster's son.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: oh, wow. Dan Lancaster. I've <laughs> got, um, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, yeah,
2: because Lancaster was. He played for Scotland Day,
1: did he not? Yeah, I think he got as far. Well, he definitely played for Scotland students. I think you're right. I think he might've got as far as Scotland Day as well. Um, wow. So yeah, uh, currently playing for, um, or tied to what used to be Leeds Carnegie, but now is Yorkshire Carnegie. Um, so I assume, I'm, I'm guessing that's an Ian can, um link, possibly. I can't imagine Stuart Lancaster's waving a saltire about um, these days. Um did, did either of you did, did he
0: go to school would be my first guess.
1: Yeah. Did did either of you uh, notice he McGeakin's Scottish accent at the weekend?
0: Uh I didn't
1: know. Did, did you just see he he's normally quite Yorkshire but he he was quite strong on ITV at the weekend. I don't know whether he whether he can just affect it. Did
2: that did that change at full time? <laughs>
1: um no, he was still going at full time yeah. as well. I was quite impressed. I thought he might change back, but no no, he was still going at full time. Um Other news, uh the Pro 14 TV deal. Um uh, BBC, <laughs> BBC Wales, Alba, um, and some other BBC channels were bidding for the Pro 14 rights. They haven't got them, and it's now going to Premier Sports, which, as far as I can tell, broadcasts fighting and kabaddi. Um, there's lots of conspiracy theories around this, uh, Rory. Uh, suggestions? Ah, so that's where the kabaddi went. Yeah, that's where the kabaddi went. It went to went to um, some tax haven. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around this, uh, Rory, given that. Um, Ireland have retained some free-to-air games, and Premier Sports uh, also appears to be Irish-based. Um, is this a good thing?
2: Mm, it sort of <laughs> remains to be seen, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's been a few um, discussions about it, obviously in social media and online, and it seems to be the. Um, the sort of the hardcore fans say they're not willing to pay the £10 to support rugby then you're not really a fan anyway and you're not (laughs) contributing to the game but that doesn't really that I mean that might that might hold water I guess in if you live in one of the the population centres that has a team and and you're you're choosing not to you know choosing not to go to a Go to a game on a weekend or something but there's plenty of fans certainly in Scotland who are geographically apart from where the games happen can't get to the games or I mean in Glasgow, even in Glasgow you probably struggle to get a ticket anyway these days um, and I think to say that if you're not you know you're not willing to pay the £10 you don't contribute to anything I mean I probably I'm not willing to pay the £10 but the, the blog is enough of a contribution towards the, the game in Scotland to a uh, to earn me the right to watch it on the telly on a Friday night, um, in Gallic or otherwise. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be it'll remain to be seen.
1: Um, John, your your take on this is this a is this a, a good good for the future of Pro Fourteen?
0: No, in a nutshell, no. Um, I can see the logic behind it, and I think after the expansion with the South African teams coming in, it was clear that. They're continuing to chase money, and we don't know the details behind the deal as yet um but the guess is that obviously premier sports have clearly offered the most money to take the rights um but I, I mean I just keep reading over and over that no sport seems to with the exception of maybe Premier League football, which is the, the outlier, no sport seems to flourish. When it's not available in some format on free-to-air, um, and the, the, the Pro 14 has been, well, Pro 12, Pro 14 has been growing and growing and growing, and it's getting wider exposure. we have seen big crowds along at Scottsdale and, and and things like that. And uh, my concern is that that progress will inevitably stop at this point because nobody, nobody will be able to see the games. The, the other thing to to sort of suggest and there. They have released a free channel, Premier Sports, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> creatively titled Free Sports. So um, you know we don't know what we don't know the details of the deal as yet. But it, it grinds my gears a wee bit when people are saying, "Oh, it just means more people will be able to, uh, you know, I'll have to get off their couches and go along to the games," which is fine and well, unless you're a Glasgow fan. Yeah. Which has seven thousand three hundred and fourteen people sold out every game, <laughs> including the Italian teams. So yeah, I'm I'm frustrated but I'm I'm keeping it cool just now until we see the full details.
1: Yeah, I mean you made you actually you made a daft well what seemed like a joking throwaway suggestion, Rory, um on Twitter when this was announced about possibly broadcasting the super six. Um but but actually, when I thought about it, it's not, that's not, I mean, you used to have, I was thinking about the Doogie Donley clip I found on YouTube a while back, but you used to have Mel, the likes of Melrose and things on, a, you know, highlights on a Saturday, you know, BBC yeah. Scotland TV, so it's not, it's not a daft, as daft a suggestion as it might appear.
2: No, I mean, there's going to be that outside broadcast unit knocking about. I mean, I'm assuming that Premier Sports will be, uh, will, will, you know, be, be sort of subcontracting to them to cover the games. Um, so hopefully they'll, you know, they'll have the, have the work to do anyway, but I guess we you'd need to look at the fact that the, you know, the channel is in Ireland and now there's sort of one channel controlling all of the coverage cause they're getting Sky's coverage as well, which means they're either going to have to show loads more games than sky did, or, you know, they're going to show one, maybe two games a weekend. And most fans are not going to get there to see their team. Um, I think there's there is um there I mean there's been a few people complaining that possibly the the um Irish rugby conspiracy will kick in and we'll only get to watch Munster and Connacht but (laughs) um I think I think Ireland have got separate they seem to have managed to get TG4 coverage and they're in in Gaelic
1: so um,
2: they'll actually have a bit more coverage and hopefully the the uh, premier sports stuff will will be a bit more uh, balanced certainly the um BBC Wales are are going to lose out but I mean I remember back when we sort of when we started the site off BBC Wales was the only place you could watch um, the games and you had to uh, you know you had to wait every couple of weeks to watch a Scottish team because it was just it depended who the Welsh teams were playing um so I guess you know we we survived it before but it was nice you know knowing you'll see one if not both of them every weekend and the, the coverage you know the standard of the coverage has been pretty good.
1: Yeah, I guess the only downside is it's bye bye to Hugh Dan McLennan.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a shame. I, I guess it could depend what they what they plan to do for commentary teams and stuff, but it's probably going to be some variation on the the what you know the the same names that we see here and there. Maybe they'll give uh, our Jamie Lyle a job full time. That'd be good. <laughs> um, yep, yeah. yep. But I mean, I think was the Fiji was the Scotland Fiji game in the summer. Was that not on Free Sports or Premier Sports or something?
0: Um ah, it was
1: on no right, was, that, think, was that not on the website I'm, that was on the website yeah
2: i'm sure i'm sure something recently has been on maybe it, it was, was a BT, maybe it was the, a diff- all, the all
1: the all blacks
0: france was on uh, previously all,
1: they've got they've had all the france international autumn tests since 2016 right, okay. apparently we i mean and you got that odd thing haven't we with the autumn tests was simul simicast on bt sport and bbc That's right, which yeah. just seemed daft um <laughs> because I, I, don't, I don't even know who's on BT Sport, but I don't know why you'd... You know, unless John Inverdale was on BBC, I don't know why he'd choose. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> that? you choose adverts.
1: Yeah. Um, next up, we'll move on then. Next up, we've, we've had a couple of really good Scott Johnson sightings from the weekend in Dublin. Um, there was Murray McCann, who actually sent us a picture that he'd taken of Big Scott on his own in the stands at Donnybrook for the uh, under-20s match. Uh and then Ben Russell got in touch to say that Gregor Townsend was there as well, in a different stand. Um so, you know, speculate <laughs> away as to why that why they didn't go together.
2: Uh you never seen them in the same room.
1: Oh true. Um yeah. But there he was, big Scott Johnson, looking like a swollen David Ginola, standing in the stands.
2: Um, <laughs> he, he looked quite lonely, I thought.
1: He did, yeah. And I, well, we said, we asked. I think I suggested to Murray that he go up and talk to him, but I didn't hear back. Um,
2: the other, um, <laughs> he's, he's been, uh, he's been given a pair of concrete, concrete slippers, concrete bathies <laughs> and jumped chuck, well, in the water, leaf.
1: Well, maybe we should just be thankful that he wasn't Eddie jones Yeah. <laughs> Um. although yeah Scott Johnson having the fine head of hair there's no way they could throw the same insults at him that they did at Eddie Jones um, yeah the other one was Jonathan Brown who got in touch to say that he'd seen Scott Johnson in the foyer of the Herbert Park Hotel he was on his own and wandered in to ask directions um, so if you if you've seen Scott Johnson out and about or anybody else uh, do let us know we do like uh, to hear what everyone's been up to um, we're not going to have time for D H M Telfers this week because uh, there's too much to get through. Uh, thank you to everyone who has submitted them. I will get round to them. We'll maybe do it in the Six Nations Roundup episode. Um, sevens, Rory, you were you you caught the sevens this week? Um, yeah,
2: I would like to say I was in Vancouver, but I wasn't. I was on the couch.
1: <laughs> you were on the couch watching on watching per, per signal on Sky Go.
2: Yeah, I, well, that was just the, that was the last one. The rest of them I managed to watch on the big telly. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, it was interesting. They, they they started really strongly, i.e., the first seven minutes against New Zealand <laughs> was the start to the the tournament, and it was uh, yeah, they were it was pretty good. I mean, they scored a couple of tries. They were they were looking uh, looking pretty pretty useful, but as as New Zealand teams do, especially in sevens, you know, it's pretty easy to, to claw back a lead um, quite quickly. Um, so yeah, they were. Um, they were looking okay um the blitz blitz box they played after that and yeah i mean i think it's interesting because last last season or the last couple of seasons when they were under callum mcrae they seemed to uh they sort of shunned the contact a bit more um whereas at the moment they seem to go into contact a bit too much and mm. um the south africa in particular very well drilled in the at the breakdown and ridiculously physical, considering there's probably only ever one, one or two guys going into a Iraq, um, and yeah, they they get turned over a bit. But I mean, they're starting to look good. I mean, if, let's face it; they've they've been gutted of the experience that that won them those back-to-back titles. Um, so there's some games where Scott Riddell basically has to sort of carry the whole team on his back. Yeah, um, but that seems to be happening a bit less now. Jamie Farndale is another senior figure, but he's only 24. And I think that, you know, it's, I don't think they'll, we'll be looking at a third back to back London title this year, but I think next year the team will be stronger. Um, There's a couple of guys like Gavin Lowe and Nick McLennan who didn't get much game time last season who actually have looked pretty good, but I think they're being sort of used a bit sparingly because they've still got sort of injury worries. Um, And yeah, uh, Glenn Bryce and Darcy Graham definitely standouts of the. Standouts so of the tournament. I mean, Glenn Bryce actually won the sort of impact player or something, which, considering Scotland finished ninth, yeah. is uh, is pretty good to to have that influence on the on the games he, play, he played in.
1: It always puzzles me because I, I sort of get because this my sevens knowledge is sort of the one-off tournaments you get around the borders in sort of the spring and early summer, but I I, I can't get my head around how Scotland came ninth but still won a trophy. <laughs>
2: Um, well um I don't know have you ever been in a if you ever played in a tennis tournament? No no i mean it's it's the same when we go when we play touch rugby um yeah you pretty much they they, they kind of divide up the uh, you divide up the log because I think there's because there's series points right um to be dished out everyone has to have a, a position a finishing position
1: so it's just so, just a way of
2: so you have a pool yeah you have pool stages and then after the pool stages you kind of have enough level of knockouts so that you can basically rank everyone one to 16 or whatever it is yeah um that makes sense so and i think that that's what they do so yeah so they kind of the top bracket that scotland could get into after i think losing three pool games including one to russia was this was that sort of ninth place competition um and so that's. But at least they, you know, they won that once they got into it. But obviously they would. I'm sure they'd much rather be going for the. I guess there's one for fifth to eighth as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've Which never. Is, I saw the photograph. on a
2: Yeah, challenge and a and a cup. Yeah, it's probably a shield. She's their
1: shield. Shield. Yeah. I, well, I saw the photograph on Twitter of them all holding the trophy, and I've never seen a group of men look more miserable to be holding a trophy which
2: yeah, when they, I weren't, realized it came ninth. they weren't celebrating too hard no um, Alan Greenwood's sad man of the match uh, it, maybe he should do a, a subset of that for uh, <laughs> sad trophy winners
1: <laughs> um, speaking of the sevens uh, there were some rumblings earlier today that Hugh Blake uh, was on his way back to New Zealand um, after someone I, I got the blame for this early on Twitter but actually I nicked it off the Scottish Rugby forum but someone posted an article from something like the Bay of Plenty News, um, which I think usually just carries sort of sheep, sheep herding results or something like that, um, where they did interview Hugh Blake, who said that he was keen on playing 15s again. Um, I, I think when you read the interview, it looks like he says, I'm coming back and I'm aiming to get in a super rugby team. But I think probably what he was asked was, if there was a chance, would you? And he said, yeah, but they can only have two foreign players and I'm now foreign. So... Yeah. The chances are pretty slim, but he, I think he's still. That was in August, and he's been announced in the seven squad since, and he's definitely still in Edinburgh, according to Instagram. I'm guessing he's injured, but there's not been anything. Yeah,
2: he's listed injured on the uh, ah. on the squad as of uh, last week.
1: Well, that explains it then, and that might also explain the rumor, uh, Rory, that you'd heard that there's a a Scottish international qualifier or Scottish international heading back to New Zealand, which ties in with John Hardy's contract running out at edinburgh. yeah
2: well i mean it was it was specifically uh, john hardy it was one of the uh, oh, okay. was, uh, Callum, Callum uh gillan who writes writes for the site occasionally he's he has a friend of a friend of a friend or something new who knows hardy and apparently he's he's pining for the pining for the south island a little bit so yeah. um there is there is talk there with the news obviously this week that um his salary is unsustainable at, at edinburgh for the you know for the the budget that Cockerell has now that Hardy's going to be on the way, mm. um, and nobody really knows where he's going to pitch up next.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was I think there's a lot of hopeful talk on uh, social media that he goes along the M8 like all the other Ember rejects. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, a lot, a lot of Glasgow fans are very would be very very happy to see him uh, over here. Um, I'm not one of those, but um, for for all his uh, good points, he's. The perpetual injuries um, yeah. would would do it for me. Um, yeah, you've already got Alex Dunbar, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Vanessa. Uh Yeah, there's a few. There's a few.
1: Um, I mean, it does make the case a little bit, I suppose, for the sort of uh, the Scotland Scotland sort of move into the English Premiership with the likes of the Newcastle Falcons and. There's now the All Blacks saying that they're going to go in some sort of formal agreement with Harlequins for their players to play overseas. So I guess if you've got the likes of John Hardy, sort of surplus to requirements at Embra for good reason, you know, given the number of players they've got through in these wage, the wages he'd be on. If you had someone that you had some sort of formal agreement with, you can ship someone like John Hardy off to. Then that, that sort of make the case makes the case for that a little bit stronger, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, tri- it's tricky. I suppose because if you're trying to free up his wages, if you're pumping money into Newcastle, then that's money that you <laughs> so you're, you're essentially paying yourself again um, or taking away from yourself. I mean, you've got to think maybe um, a guy of his, you know, is he, he's undeniably quality. Um, France might be a good fit for him. Under uh, Vern Cotter is is another name that's been mentioned. Yeah. I guess anyone who's anyone who's vaguely had a connection with Scotland. It is, it's kind of rumoured that they'll pitch up at yeah. either Worcester or uh, Montpellier. I, I'd, um, I'd like to
1: see him go. If he's going to go anywhere in France, I think Montpellier would be better, given what happened to Ali Williams. I don't think a move to Racing's is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving on, in uh, other news, DTH van de Mervers. Mer, D, John, Mer, you say but,
0: it, you say yeah, it. Me- DTH Van der Merwe.
1: Okay, we'll just call him DTH from now on. Uh, he might be coming back to Glasgow. Um, although someone tonight on Twitter, and the only reason I mentioned him, the rumor of him coming back is that someone tonight on Twitter has said that he, he's he's due to retire in two years because, according to Wayne Pivak, he wants to become a fireman.
0: Yeah, that was always the the chat he had. Um... When he left Glasgow, there was a part, apparently it was due to being able to, um, being able to the upper limit of being a fireman was different in Wales and England than it is in Scotland. So his his um, probably is to become a fireman, um, but I don't know how that's start panning out now.
1: What what are you doing to players in Glasgow, John, that makes them want to join the emergency services when they leave?
0: <laughs> it's um They go on night out in Glasgow. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. They jo- they join Finn, they head out at night so You seen what happened to Greek. Um <laughs> the, this is basically that that's the norm, so yeah. People they try to get a well to do profession after hanging out with uh hanging out with Finn and the boys.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see um I don't know, maybe um Nick and Waller join the Coast Guard or something like that. <laughs>
2: Can
0: see him doing
1: the doing the the Baywatch. Yeah, definitely. We have, yeah, we have the Hugh front,
0: da- on the beach at Troon. <laughs> Get you Dan doing that sort of voiceover for it as well.
1: <laughs> uh, right, let's move on and we'll do this. Head, heart, and arse. Yeah, uh, it's head, heart, and ass time. Uh, let's deal with the Ireland Scotland match. Um, Shall we? Shall if we're doing head, heart, and ass? Shall we do it backwards and start with the negatives, and then try and end up on positives? Um, Rory, do you want do you want to go first with your what's what was your ass from that game?
2: I think, I think it's pretty obvious. It was it was we we spent uh, we spent about an hour and a half talking about one pass last uh, two weeks ago, and there's a unfortunately there's another pass to talk about this week. Um, but not in there not quite the right quite the right way i think um, the Jones uh, yeah the the john to hog there's been a lot of a uh, lot of media coverage of it um, a lot of I- irish uh, irish press and stuff have come and in detail to show how sexton's sort of body positioning kind of drew Hugh Jones in and forced him not to not to pass it to Hogg, but let's face it, he just, he, he ballsed it up. If he'd passed a little bit earlier, Hogg Hog probably would have got into the corner at, at the worst and scored it. Um, and at that point, the game was, uh, you know, that point in the game was, was pretty close. Um, it would have made it, a, you know, I think 10-7 at half, half time going in there, which would have been a completely different complexion on the game to the one that we saw Um I don't think the pass is completely the uh, the sort of deal breaker on the game. Um, I think the the main the main bit that was that I was noticing when I when I watched it back um, was actually just sort of um, where was the time? It was thirty nine minutes and five seconds for me was when the game sort of fell apart and. Because I mean, yeah, even with even with that 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 clear cut try left out there, um, there was always a chance they were going to, you know, Scotland were going to get another another try scoring chance. They had another couple that they also blew. Um, but uh, yeah, 39 minutes and five, they messed up the line out, overthrew it to I think it was Devin Toner, who then went on a sort of rampage. Gilchrist, who I think was the jumper that had missed it, probably tried to make. Commences too hard. Jason Rory Best stood up and then sort of looked down at his feet. Noticed that he was in danger of kicking the ball out of Best's hands, so he kind of fell over his own feet, trying not to do that, but inadvertently fell backwards into Conor Murray, taking him out. Wayne Barnes gives a penalty. Ireland set off on the advantage, and that was pretty much, you know, that was a try straight before half time. Yeah. Um, after you know a few a few phases later. The, after the, the, the scrum. And I think Scotland go in, even going in seven three down. Even if they you know if they hadn't hadn't made that. Um seven three down that would have been, I think that would have been Scotland would have been really happy with that. Um but instead I mean are or, or you know even going in ten seven up, obviously that would have been ecstatic. Um instead going down fourteen three down um it was a, it was a bit of a killer and but yeah, those kind of those two moments in the first half, despite a pretty poor first half, those those two really did damage that was so hard to undo in the second.
1: Yeah, I mean, but John, I guess picking up on Roy's point, it didn't Scotland didn't completely collapse at going two tries down like they did against Wales, though. So it was maybe a little bit different this game.
0: No, and I think I covered as much in um, the, the opening salvo of the player ratings that there's. A lot more to be positive about, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll, when we get to, to um, head and heart, we'll pull out some of those positives. But um, yeah, they didn't they didn't give up, they didn't collapse. Um, Ireland are a good side. We, we need to we need to give credit where it's due. Um, but Scotland they, they fought well, and yeah, we we get beaten by a better side. I, I, it's it's after Wales, I was absolutely gutted after the game on um, Saturday. I I I was very philosophical about it, actually, which is not like me.
1: <laughs> Do you want to go with go go with your ass then and, and try and not be philosophical yeah. about
0: it? I'll not be so philosophical. Yeah, so Ronnie's actually touched on it. The the yeah. the line out for me was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> um it was absolutely horrendous and frankly we you know, you're against the well, at the time third best side in the world, clearly the one of the best sides in the world we're overthrowing line outs we're we're getting destroyed by that big skeletal toner um I, I, well, actually, gonna...
1: he looks more like I, I i said today look i was watching the game back today he looks more like a chartered accountant whose wife's just run off with a milkman <laughs>
0: <laughs> an absolutely huge chartered yeah. accountant <laughs> um aye, absolutely ridiculous but um yeah, fair enough, right? He's a savvy line out operator and we're always under we've always we're always gonna be under pressure with that. But the, the overthrowing, the the missing the jumper, just not acceptable. And again, going back to the player ratings, unfortunately for McAnally, who has been and you know, caveat this with he has been absolutely outstanding this tournament, brilliant. His his work around the park has been exceptional, his line out has been exceptional. The, on Saturday it didn't work. Um President Brown came on and the line out was instantly better. So um unfortunately he takes a lot of the blame for me on that one.
1: Uh yeah, I think that's I mean he's, he, I, th- I think you're probably right. I missed the first line out because ITV was showing a replay of something and, and hadn't got the head around the fact <laughs> that, <laughs> that <laughs> Scotland Scotland take quick line outs these days. Um my arse um was the pre game prep because again, like Cardiff, they didn't go down until the Friday um, or fly over or whatever. Um, the ex- We got an explanation because the SRU, an interview with Greg- Gregor Townsend before the match, where he said, we're going on the Friday because that's what the players are used to. And I think it gave a little... It's a bit worrying, I think, because it gives an insight into the approach that they're taking to away games, which is they've, they've clearly identified it's a problem for Scotland. So the way they're going to deal with that is... Um, let's wrap them in cotton wool. Let's try and make the players feel as comfortable as possible. Let's make keep to a routine. Let's do something, you know, stupid like stick a Scotland flag on the post while we're warming up. It's I, I'm not sure it's the right approach because I don't think it prepares the players mentally for going into sort of a, you know a capacity of EVA Stadium. And for all the you know this we'll talk about later, the Scotland fans were in fine voice that's you know coming stepping off a plane going going to bed waking up and then walking into that stadium the next day isn't you're not going to be mentally prepared for that having a captain's run at Murrayfield I don't think um and there was an interview with Dan Parks last week where he said that in 2010 at Croke Park the captain on the captain's run he, he worked out the wind and it was only because of he'd worked out the wind on the captain's run he was able to make that kick that won the game and it's little things like that, and I just think that there's too much. I don't know what I think the approach in trying to win away is too much. Trying to make the players feel comfortable. I think it'd be far better. They went over there early, soaked up the atmosphere of being in a different country, being somewhere else, being somewhere where you know the hotel receptionist is, or you know is is, is having a a couple of digs at you, or a bit of chat, or you know you go and get your coffee down in Dublin or wherever, and you know people are. Aren't as friendly as they are in Edinburgh, and I don't think that's a bad thing to be in in that atmosphere. I think it helps for making decisions on the pitch and not being under pressure.
2: Yeah, surely you want them to be as uncomfortable as possible, really.
1: Yeah, because that's you know that if you think that the the difference to to the Cardiff game was it was it was you know passes going amiss, it was it was dealing with the situation, and you think if they, and that has to be to do with playing somewhere you're not familiar with. Yeah, I mean, there,
2: there's got to be some kind of um there's got to be some mental element because if you look at the difference between the try that they did score um which was kind of bookended either uh, a couple of minutes either side by you know hog passing way over king Horn's head and mm. then horn doing the same thing when he should have passed to jones outside him but then you look at the the, the try they scored from the set piece um and which shows that they're clearly all of them because I think pretty much the whole back line was involved. Yeah. They're all clearly able to execute a 2 on 1 and complicated dummy moves. So it's not it's not that they don't know how to do it. It's just that something something gets in their head and prevents them from doing it at that point, whether it's whether it's, you know, Ireland's am- amazing defense or their experience getting inside their you know what what the players look for In terms of deciding when they're going to pass it, when they're not, how they're going to pass it, Um, a lot of the passes seemed really fast. Um, Horn was doing that thing where he really sort of shovels it along and it kind of whips it, um, which was maybe designed to avoid kind of big looping passes that Stockdale could intercept. But um, it did seem quite on a a few occasions, you know, the passes were were so fast that they were, you know, too far over over their heads or, or behind them. Because um, they were putting too much energy into the the power of it and not enough into the accuracy. But yeah, I've I I no idea what it is that stops a player from on any given moment yeah. doing something or not doing something that they've they've done perfectly well two minutes before,
1: or even they've done they can do perfectly well in Murrayfield, which then yeah, which which that you know if you if you're approaching it from a scientific point of view, that's that's the variable. The variable is they're playing yeah. away from home, and yeah. they need to deal with that better. Um yeah. let's let's move on to what what let's should we do head let's do head next. Um mix it up a bit. Um J- John, your your head, what's what's your head to take from that game?
0: The um yeah, um I think we we got what actually most sensible fans expected and I think it's not a bad thing to lose that game in that if we were to scrape a victory there, or we were to come away with, you know, a, a penalty kick to win win the game, and we we break the hoodoo, we we can now win away from home in the Six Nations, I I my fear would be, and I think this this team's on this team is on a journey, and I'm kind of glad it's taking its time. Because I think there's so much potential there and the learning that they'll take from Saturday about execution and about how we um, how, how to build a game, how to build a score, how to manage um, a very good team, um, which Ireland done to us. We are, we are a good team and Ireland managed us super, superbly and Scotland will learn a lot from that and um, I think all the players in that park will be better for it. Um, including g- guys like Hugh Jones, who who is, um, I think I think we have this, you know, a couple of weeks ago he's talked up as being one of the, uh, one of the best centres in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't think that changes from this weekend. However, I think what this weekend reflected was the guy's been a professional rugby player for two years give or take, you know, two and a half years. Um, he's had, I, I was lo- looking earlier on, if you exclude Western Province, so Curry Cup, I'm just excluding that. It's it's not quite at the level. You talk about Super Rugby and his Glasgow games and his Scotland starts. He's had just over 50 professional games of rugby. Compare that to um, Robbie Henshaw, who would have, you know, possibly been lining up against him had he been fit. At the same age, Henshaw's had almost 100 games. Mm. So you know we're, we're, we've got a very young side, and guys like Jones, who've come out of nowhere, are inexperienced. In that situation where he's running, he's got the whole of the Aviva Stadium up against him, wishing him to make a crap pass, and shockingly he did. Um, and you know he'll not make that pass again. He'll not make that mistake again. And I think that's that's the key for me. Um, that's what I'm taking away from it. It was it, it's a good lesson for the guys.
1: Yeah, I think it was interesting that Townsend came out in the press conference afterwards and said that Scotland are two to three years away from Ireland and what he... Behind, behind Ireland. Behind Ireland. Yeah. And what he meant is it's not going to take us two to three years to get there. It's just that they've been... that The, the Irish group of players or their core group of players have been together two to three years. Um, and I think that's probably true. And again, I think you're right, John. I mean, if, if you told me sort of during the Frank Haddon, Andy Robinson... Wilderness years that Scotland would have won three games in the Six Nations, two years on the trot, and that's potentially what we're looking at. I, you know, I'd have bit your hand off for that.
0: Mm-hmm. um Throw on top of that all the tries scored as well. Yeah. The, the fact that the guys actually look like they know what they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> most, most of the time. Most the of time, the time, yeah. yeah. Aye. Well, we don't like it to always be so organised. But yeah, like you say, looking back at what we've, what we've seen before, you you would you would have sold your granny and and burrowed out your own kidney to to get that sort of level of performance. So yeah, definitely happy ish.
1: Yeah, um, I'd gone with. Uh, I think I've just written down under head is that was not Wales. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I you know I thought that I thought the intensity in the defense and the tackling was was pretty similar to what we saw at the Calcutta Cup and again away from home that's pretty positive that's a that's a good thing um we, we caused alan a lot of problems for, for most of the match um and and even the fact that fitness wise you know that game went to what 83 minutes and Scotland ran it out of you know on 8 on 81 minutes you know, Finn Russell's running out of the 22 and Scotland made it up to halfway. And I don't, you know, not that they would have scored a try, but just the fact that there was no losing bonus point to get or any real merit in carrying on other than pride that was that was good to see. Um, and the other, I mean, the other thing I, I just wanted to mention and single out is Pete Horn, um, because watching the game back, I spent I've sort of focused on looking at him because he, he took a lot of stick at the weekend on social media, um, cause, particularly because of the intercept try. But I mean, he's not he's not Finn Russell, and that pass that he tried to throw that got in, intercepted was a, a Russell type pass. But he, he made 19 tackles, which for a centre is an immense shift by any any standard. Mm-hmm. 19 tackles in, a, in an international rugby game is, is huge. And he, he stopped, I can't, I mean, there, there were two instances. On the try line where he got in the way of the ball and stopped a try, a try. And the one at the end of the first half, Ireland scored anyway. But there was one in the second half where he stopped it. and I think eventually it was turned over. Um, and he had a, there was a lovely kick as well—a kick to the corner on thirty minutes. And I think for all his doubters, Horn still offers enough for me to play at twelve. And I think that'll click. I think it is. I think the the laid law. Russell horn sort of axis, whatever you want to call it, is work. it worked against England, I think it I think it it would be worth another run out against Italy.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh I think I mean well if you look at the look at the squad changes he's made this week, um it doesn't look like there's gonna be massive changes to the team. Um so I think yeah, I think we'll see we'll see that axis um again. I guess probably the likes of uh, of George Horn and uh Ali Price might get a wee shot in the summer to mm. see if they can maybe speed things up um there's probably a wee concern that when Ireland were sort of uh Ireland were a bit more in control of the tempo of that game um which is you know which is what what they do they didn't they did they didn't really Ireland didn't really do anything that wasn't expected of them but they just they did it very well um it was just, you know, making small gains to keep Scotland going backwards. Um, and then, you know, whenever the play, whenever a play stopped, they just do everything like they're swimming in a vat of Guinness. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just compared to Scotland, who want to take everything quickly, it must be hugely frustrating. But, you know, Ireland, they play the game according to their, their tempo and their rules. And, you know, it's not massively exciting apart from uh, ring rows, but, it, you know, it's massively effective.
1: Yeah, what what was your head then, Rory?
2: Um, yeah, pretty much that that Ireland, you know, Ireland were Ireland were very good, and um, it. I was listening to it on the telly. You know, we we were hearing Chance of Scotland, after about you know five six five six minutes. I didn't hear yeah. in the fields of Athenry until about four until the second half. Um that may just be the the TV mics or whatever but uh, yeah I mean that was a that was a pretty good first half if uh, you know the moments they're the kind of the wee turning point right at the end there and then obviously the interception and the blown but I think you know in a good half rugby you'd forgive them for for blowing a chance of a, a, a try if they'd uh, you know if they had gone in that close at halftime um, and yeah it was just you know that was a that was a pretty pretty good performance. But um, these, you know, the, the Ireland are Ireland are the number two team in the world now. And you're going to need to, in order to knock them over, especially away from home, you're going to need to play to the level that you play against England, to the level you play against New Zealand, who yeah. played against Australia. And it wasn't quite there. It was probably closer to maybe bits of, you know, bits of France. The defence certainly was, was pretty good. And um, Ireland didn't, you know, it's, they didn't, they didn't really rip Scotland open at any point. Ringrose had a couple of a couple of good breaks, but you know he's he's something else. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see you know Ringrose versus versus Hugh Jones as they both both develop. And yeah, and the other the other to come back to your point um, about the you know our Tunis point about development ages. Sexton's thirty two, and Finn yeah. Russell's
0: twenty
2: four, twenty five. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. You know he's some some way off learning all the tricks that Johnny Sexton has, um, and you know the same could same could be said for for quite a lot of the guys. Obviously, Laidlaw's is probably a bit older than than Conor Murray, but um, I think uh, yeah, Conor you know Conor Murray's a, a better player, um, but you know Conor Murray's a lot older than Ali Prices, yeah, um, and a lot more experienced. If you look at the you know the Lions tours and things, um, yeah. So I think it. People, somebody asked uh, on Twitter after you know what what we what we feeling after that, and I think you know I'd rather be frustrated than depressed. Any day.
0: Um, <laughs> oh yes.
2: And you know it was it was it was frustrating. Um, the, the the missed opportunities would have at least I mean Joe Schmidt said it felt like a, a you know a single score game, mm. and I think he I think he was right. Um, it's not that the scoreline flattered Ireland because they deserved all the points that they had. Um, it's more that uh, it didn't really do Scotland justice. Um, yeah. But you know that the the scoreline, the scoreline. You know, if you don't, um, I think we're we're past past moral victories really, and it'll get. I think the scoreline probably will help to kind of hammer home the, the differences and things that the team need to work on. I think, as as John said, if they'd come away having you know having executed everything, and it had been quite you know quite close. Um, they may not learn as much. Yeah, and you know they're not they're not going to be complete complete players yet.
1: Yeah, I mean it was interesting. I was watching this the press conference tonight um, over tea, because um, that's the exciting life I lead. Um, <laughs> and and somebody asked John Barker, you know, what was the difference between Scotland and Ireland, or what you know, and or do you think the score reflects Scotland performance? And he said, look, Ireland were you know had four chances to score. You know, he said that they had three chances to score, clear cut chances to score, and they took all three of them. Um, yeah. Because the fourth try was the intercept. He said, Yeah, they had three three clear cut chances to score. They took all three of them. He said we had four clear cut chances to score, and we butch and we we took one of them. So yeah, I think that's probably if you're looking at an explanation of what went wrong and the difference between the two teams, that's that sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit for me. Yeah. Um. What would do? You, I mean, you mentioned the the crowd shouting Scotland, 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 and it was interesting. Um, the loosehead on Twitter, um, who's an Irish blogger, wrote a lovely piece at the weekend about his experience of being in the Aviva, and and just it was like, almost like an ode to the Scotland fans. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really nice to hear that you know there was a he said there was there was a bagpiper there, and a lot of the Irish guys were sort of groaning when he got the bagpipes out, but then the guy just launched into Molly Malone um so the scotland fans basically never shut up for the whole 80 minutes um there was uh, when scotland were 21-3 down i've written this down so i get it right um there were chants of hoggy hoggy Hoggy, give us a wave um and to <laughs> his credit hoggy turned round and waved <laughs> so i think it's great that there's a you know the the scottish traveling support are getting a you know, getting a good reputation away from home, um, and that there there are more people going to these sort. You know, g- going to away matches and enjoying themselves. Apparently, they they enjoyed themselves much more, or certainly a, the Scots were celebrating uh, Ireland winning the um, Six Nations just as hard as a lot of the Irish in the pubs as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but there might be other reasons for that as well, um, such as who lost. Um, John, what's what's your heart?
0: So, yeah, you guys, you touched on it as well, and you know, you talk about the the let's let's say four clear cut chances we had, uh, and for me, the real positive is we're making these chances. Um, I kind of always always think back to the the, the soccer ball uh, Ali McCoy's story, where you know he would miss miss ten chances, but as long as he got the eleventh, it was okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, against against the world class team like Ireland, yeah, we we can't afford to give. To, to butcher four three four chances and expect to win but we are making those chances and the patterns and the the way the guys were set up they they were cutting really really good lines and really good angles and they were getting behind Irish defence and that is absolutely crucial the you know any other any other day two two of those passes go to hand and then as, as you guys said it's the single score game um uh, that, that for me was really positive uh, because we'd heard in the, the build-up about the Irish defence and how how brilliant they were and the rush. And, you know, yes, they, they could be a bit narrow, but obviously Joe, Joe Schmidt is the master tactician and he would have a way to work out what Scotland were doing. And, you know, there was, I think it was Neil Francis, the the Irish guy who was writing about how, you know, Scotland were just going to be absolutely destroyed <laughs> and their, their much, much vaunted attack would be uh, nullified. And that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. Scotland made chances and they could have scored tries. Um, and yes, I think a lot of people, a lot of Irish pundits in particular came away from that game. And I know uh, Schmidt and the, the the interview after the game, he was saying he he was breathing a sigh of relief because any other day Scotland could finish those chances yeah. and yeah that was really positive for me.
1: Uh, Rory your heart.
0: Yeah, I mean I pretty much
2: echo what, um, what what John said there, um, but also I I think it's uh, there's a couple of players who've taken a f- taken a fair bit of stick actually I thought thought did all did all right. Um, if you look I watched watched Finn back during the game, and actually he didn't really do anything hugely risky no that I could spot until about seventy six minutes by which point you know he could blame him um so it wasn't the case uh you know that he he managed he managed the attack pretty well um and obviously he defended uh, um you can't argue that they didn't manage the game well um all they were doing really was just arsing out the last pass <laughs> and They've, you know we've seen we've seen that from scotland teams before it's not a, it's not a new thing but um the fact that we've we've got far more genuine scoring chances to arse up is, is can only be a good thing mm. um and the other thing was um ryan wilson going off i think was actually was huge he was actually having quite a good sort of first 20 minutes mm-hmm. um He's thrown a few cheeky wee offloads. Um I'm not really sure what happened to him. I watched it back about four or five times and all you can see is he charges into a ruck and then falls out the other side of it. I think he probably just charged into someone's arm or elbow or shoulder or something and just sort of knocked himself out. Um but yeah, he was he was having a good game and um I will give him give him credit for that. Uh and the other thing I was I'm really enjoying over the last couple of weeks is watching the Johnny Gray, Stuart McNally double team tackle. <laughs> yeah, because finally we're seeing, Scott Scottish defenders actually driving people backwards in the tackle. Yeah. Okay, it's taken two of them, but it's great. It's great to see them not surrendering quite so much territory. I mean, okay, when you know when Keenan Healy gets on the charge, it's quite it's hard to stop him. But there were a lot, there were a lot of big big hits going in, um, and you know it's good to see the good to see the, the forwards kind of sticking up for themselves.
1: Yeah. Um. We'll look ahead to this weekend. Oh, no, actually, before we do that, um, have either you picked up any comments from the blog? Because I keep getting told off for not doing comment of the week. Um, I had Andrew Andrew McGavin who said, we were not bullied. That is important. In the space of four months, our pack has stood up well to the packs of the clear top three teams in the world. I think that's a a decent point. Um, The scrum didn't do too badly at the weekend um, either. Um, Rory and John, either of you pick up anything from the blog?
2: Yeah, I've got uh, one from New Haven Boy on the match report. And he says, uh, what strikes me was that we were, by and large, not less talented than Ireland. <laughs> and that's a big step forward from the last 15 years, frankly. What we have not yet is uh, a consistent, What we, I suppose, what we are not yet is a consistent and well-oiled machine like they are. Sexton and Murray ran the show brilliantly. When they had a chance, they usually scored points. And they have terrifying depth all over the park. And we still left a load of points on the pitch against them. It's annoying and frustrating, but it's not a disaster. Yeah. And, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, John, did you you have a look?
0: Yeah, I did, yeah. So I've picked out one on a bit of a chat about the the squad extension this week. Um, There was a wee bit of chatter about um, young Adam Hastings. And the, the conversation sort of... Meandered about. Actually, Rory was involved in it as well. This is on the player ratings piece I should add. Um, and we got into the topic of, and I'm going to try this. Is it Ahaya West? What? Um, who? It's it's a um, potentially Scottish qualified fly half who is at the Hurricanes. Um, he um, <laughs> the, the comment that I've picked out in the chat is that he's he's potentially Scottish qualified. There's there's rumours he might be coming over. Um, but um, my favourite bit of it was Stu, who, um, there was questions whether he is Scottish qualified. Stu says, to an advisor, Google him, he's Ginger, one of us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think we, there was, um, that that should go into Regulation 8, I think. We'll just take any of this Ginger qualified. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think we did try that one with Finley Christie as well, didn't we? He was like, "Oh, he's de- and and Damien McKenzie, he's ginger, he's got to be Scottish." Finley qualified. Christie's
1: definitely Finley Christie's definitely uh, yeah, Scottish yeah. qualified, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Damien Damien McKenzie was until they until they decided to get him because he's so good. There's
1: the new um, there's that guy coming to the Scarlets next season as well. What's he called? Something. He's like Blade, Blade. Thompson. Blade Thompson. Blade. 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 He's Scottish qualified. So interesting to see if if. if um, if he's on the radar at all, because um, he looks quite old
0: as well, so he wouldn't be he wouldn't be looking at a residency with Wales. No, so I
1: don't see any- no, and he, he, uh, there was a clip on I think it was a one of the try. I can think place for the hurricanes. There was a try last week where he threw some ridiculous offload, so it's not you know not outside the bounds of possibilities that he might get a call up. Um, John, you mentioned the call ups to the squad. Um, and that it's almost like a planned this. Um, that leads us <laughs> on to uh, next weekend against Italy. A lot of surprise call-ups, including um, Richie Vernon, who, so far as I, I know, has only played Prem One so far this season because injuries. Um, uh, he
0: got he got a few minutes for Glasgow recently, literally right. a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so does that that mean he's straight back in, John? Straight back in, yeah. Yep. King Richie, of course King he is. Richie
1: plays where he wants to. Gives a lot of uh, gives a lot of options in training, I guess as well. Um, I think there's a suggestion that a lot of the call-ups, uh, especially from Glasgow, to give Embra time to prepare for Friday against Munster, get younger players used to systems in advance of the World Cup. Uh, Rory, um, you said earlier you don't probably not looking at many changes for Italy.
2: No, I can't. I can't see it really. Um, I suppose there's there's the issue of the line out. There's um, there's a lot still a lot of calls for uh, for Richie Gray um, to come yeah. in maybe to join his join his brother. Um, Gilchrist what you know he's, he is in the form of his life but he didn't have such a great game against Ireland and the line out stuttered and I think we've seen that when the line out works uh, we're a lot more effective as a as a team um, because having a functioning line out is is probably the the kind of key set piece in terms of controlling the pace because uh, you can't really control the pace of a scrum no. much given the, the sort of the different variables but the line out does allow you to, to control that pace and um, it didn't really work as john said earlier so i guess there's there's probably a there there could be some calls for for richie to come back in um i'm trying i mean i am not sure is is richie like is he a is he a line operator par excellence i know he's giant and he can you know he's an easy target but there seems to be this kind of this kind of view of him as a sort of Line out tactician, but that's never the impression that I got. No. I was it, was it was Johnny that did that. It's Johnny. So, yeah, Johnny
0: I'm not sure. Calls,
2: yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if, if bringing Richie in, unless every call is going to be throw it to Richie, um, <laughs> because he's the tallest on the pitch, is going to necessarily fix the line out. But yeah. um, it, it might do. But yeah, I can't see um, Dunbar, obviously, for Horn. There was a few people um, suggesting that, myself included, uh, if he was fit. But Dunbar's gone back to Glasgow. Can't see him dropping. Uh, Matt Scott in there, or uh, or Richie Vernon, sorry John, or um, <laughs> or even uh, yeah, playing Jones at twelve and putting Chris Harris on at thirteen again. I think that <laughs> experiment may have may have run its course. So yeah, I can't I can't see many changes there. I think it'll be the same as last time. Possibly the, the changes will be uh, on the bench, maybe maybe the front row. Is, yeah. is it time for WP now to get a start? Possibly. I mean Bergen Bergen's been pretty good. Um, in the loose, but he has given away a few bringless penalties. The scrum's been okay, but you'd think the scrum will be okay with Nell on as well. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um Gordy Reed was huffing puffing a bit. Uh, he still isn't offering that much outside of the Scrum. Um if we feel that I guess it depends how good the Italian Scrum is, you probably don't want to go with a weakened scrum there to Rome, especially with the forecast looking a bit dodgy. So um yeah I can't see too many changes. I don't I mean I I can't see him. I can't see Tooney sort of throwing in all the kids just because it's the because it's Italy. Yeah. Um. He'll be he'll be more aware than anyone that, you know, that's a banana skin and losing to Italy would probably undo a lot of the good work. Um. Because then it goes back to the okay, it's okay if, as long as we beat England thing, which is really something we're trying to get away from. Yeah. Um. The tournament needs to be needs to be a bit more than that. Like you say, we're we're looking for three wins. So. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't see too many changes. Maybe a couple on the bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd maybe like to see Nick Grigg get a longer run, um, John.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Any changes for yeah, you, John? You, you uh,
0: yeah, no. I think I, I think I, I agree. Front row probably for me needs freshened up. Um, I think Jamie Batty showed enough uh, off the bench the last few times to deserve a longer run. Um, I think Neil. I. Th- I, I Absolutely love WP Nell. I think it's an absolute class act. And again, it just comes back to that. um, I think we always talk about the picture that Nell paints as a a tight head. And yeah, the scrum has been relatively solid, but Nell, it's all technical. Everything's so precise that it just looks like, you know, you're sitting there, Wayne Barnes clearly doesn't have a clue what's going on at a scrum. And he would be watching him going, "Eh, that guy kind of knows what he's doing. I think he's (laughs) all right. Um, Although he did ping, uh, ping the most amazing example of hinging you'll ever see on uh, Nil's first scrum. It absolutely moolered the Irish uh, Lucy and uh, and got pinged. It's like, oh, oh, Wayne, 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 Wayne. Um, but yeah, I would agree as well. I think Greg um, Greg's looked good um, in, in his limited minutes and has been on great form for Glasgow now for pff, well over a year. Mm. Um, so I think he does deserve a bit of time. Um, I, my hope and my hope is that we i think we won't start these players um certainly greg yeah i think we'll stay with the same and we come on we throw, throw hopefully throw the ball about get some points on the board and then we can sort of get maybe hog off get um you know get jones off get a few of the other lads a wee bit of rest and um hopefully close out the game that way
1: yeah get the try bonus early on and yeah. Yeah. I mean it'd be good to make a statement this that's weekend, I think. I know that's optimistic, but it'd be good I think uh, just to finish on a high and make a statement and go and because uh, not many, uh, most teams have struggled against Italy this year, so it might be good just to go out and make a bit yeah. of a statement point wise.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean if we think about it last year, um we played Italy last again as well, I think, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we did and, and we nailed them. And yeah. nobody else did that. So I think it was it was another case where they'd actually they'd kind of Played in fits and starts against the other teams and give a few people a, a wee bit of a fright. Um, obviously that was at Murrayfield. This is this is in Rome, so it's a different thing. But I would still, I'd like to see us go out and put in a really confident performance and just show that the the whole away thing is not entirely um, is not entirely uh, sort of hanging over them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on because I, I said I'd keep it to an hour, and we're nowhere near that. Uh, let's do this now. <laughs> fantasy league fantasy league we're gonna have a chat about a fantasy league fantasy league fantasy league it's time to have a chat Uh, yeah, it's time to have a chat about the Fantasy League. We'll do it really quickly. And the main reason I want to mention it is because I'm up to 14th, despite <laughs> despite choosing Gareth Davis at Scrum Half, who scored minus two points this week and dropping Jacob yep. Stockdale. Um, oh! Yeah. oh. <laughs> well, I think where you
2: could have been if you kept him.
1: I know. It's, a, it's just it's so tense. I'm, I've never been as tense about the Fantasy League before. Um, <laughs> John, you're 97th.
2: way hey, Top Top 100. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, over, there's well over 200, so you're still in the top half. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that's, that's success.
1: And Rory, you dropped a magnificent 29 places to 60 this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, I too had uh, Gareth Davis at minus two points, who got yellow carded. I also had Anthony Watson, who got two points, also yellow <laughs> carded. So I think, yeah, Indiscipline did for my, did for my boys this week. Um, I think I just need to get over my fear of picking players who are playing against Scotland. Yeah. Um, like I had Peter O'Mahony in my in my my squad, but I picked the other three back rowers that I had because I thought, <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick an Irish for this one. And yeah, so basically, I'm letting I'm like my my heart, or possibly my arse or my head. Um, yeah, it was a week, weekend to forget. But yeah, still still 60th. That's uh, yeah.
1: And if you drop 29 so places, you can always go back up again. You know, these things happen. There's exactly. A of, yeah, a lot I'm, of movers.
2: I'm still, uh, I'm still too late to jump on the Jacob's Stockdale bandwagon, but I've, I'm glad to hear that you've, you've got off that.
1: <laughs> um, there's been a big, um, the Callum Mackenzie Appreciation Society jumped 46 places into 13th, so there's, there's a chance to move. Uh, there's not many movers at the top. Um, I will just give everyone a word of warning um, that uh, before we announce the winners, I am going to carry out an audit of everyone's team to check that people have been picking scotland players because i don't think it's right that people would win the league who don't pick scottish players in it at least two i would say is a minimum um i make it
2: a person yeah. yeah i suppose I, you could just leave them on the bench every week
1: well you can't leave them on the bench i mean i think you actually pick at the minimum of two in your starting lineup yep oh, given uh, yeah. given it's a scottish rugby blog league
2: well you see that the the, the the, t- the sneaky tactical rule which I think I'd prepared for last time but we never never covered it was actually um what you want to do is find whoever's going to be playing Italy pick their winger and make them your captain that's what I've because been doing would have, done for would have done for uh for Watson back then um so yeah so you might you might find there's a few people pick Scottish players for this weekend anyway
1: yeah I mean that's um, that might be that might do it for me and I can't go any higher because I picked Georgian Orth as my captain which is what saved me I think um, yeah. Weekend.
2: Okay. He had quite a good game. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be um, Blair Kinghorn all round then.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's let's see how we go. And <laughs> um, we'll if if I get time, I'll try and collate it for next week. If not, we'll do it in the um, we'll do it in the Six Nations review uh, pod a couple of weeks time. Um, let's move on. We'll do this now yeah it's time for hands in the ruck or any other business section of the podcast and we've had quite a few shouts for this um on twitter um rory you've had some as well
2: yeah i've had a few which is quite good because it saved me having to come up with anything to rant about although i could um i will just have a Pay brief lip service to Mr. Wayne Barnes, um, yeah. not because I thought he lost us the game or anything, um, but just because he—you can tell that he clearly wants to be the best referee in the world, um, and he does a lot of—you know—he—he—he he, he is a good ref. He communicates well as to what he's looking for. Almost talking the whole way, you know, the whole way through it, he's making changes. But it's just a lot of his calls were just really inconsistent. Yeah, and. The highlight for me was probably, you know, it must be quite frustrating for Pete Horn, who gets pinged for, I think he was pinged for holding on in the breakdown or um, off his feet in the breakdown or interfering or something. Um, And he gave him a bit of back chat, and Barnes gave him a talking to and said he'll only talk to the captain. But five (laughs) minutes earlier, five minutes earlier to that, um, he was allowing Johnny Sexton to question him. Yeah. Um, who he referred to as Johnny, not Green Ten or you know yeah. replacement hooker or anything like that. Um, he was he was allowing him to to give him give him some stick because Sexton was trying to convince him that a tip tip uh, pass that had travelled forward about three metres was legitimate, and uh, you know. that <sighs> It, it must. Yeah. It must be hard. It seems. I mean, he he probably doesn't ref I suppose he referees the Irish teams in the knockout stages of Europe more than Scottish teams. But, um, yeah. He, he you know. I don't. Yeah. Him, I treat every, I, treat everyone the same. Really, would be would be nice. It's nice that he knows the guys and he can use that shorthand so that they know who he's talking about. Yeah. I guess. But it must seem a little bit like. Um, must seem a little bit like the you know the, the the odds are stacked against you. Um, I mean, the breakdown was was a lot different to how it was against england um watson did get a penalty there but he had to work very hard i mean the english breakdown technique was just to not compete which wasn't you know which got us some some ground but the irish breakdown technique seems to be to just flop a couple of big lads on top of you so that you, know, <laughs> you don't have a choice but to go off your you know drop onto a knee or a hand
1: um,
2: yeah but yeah um we had a few a few on a few on twitter as well uh our old uh, friend of the blog and um, guest star at the start of the start of the season, Mr. Alan Dimmock, who um, doesn't like the advertising and hashtag emoji nonsense that's painted on Super Rugby pitches. Um, I'll have to defer to Mr. Dimmock on that one because I, um, I don't get up early enough to watch Super Rugby. But um,
1: I looked this up. I can up. imagine it's probably. I looked this up. It was the Sharks versus the Sunwolves, and he, he's quite right. It is a complete abomination. Um, it's it's a it's a proper smiley emoji and i couldn't tell what was weird about it is i don't think it's painted on the pitch i think it's projected onto it oh, it digitally. which makes it worse um yeah but it, it was weird because it didn't look like it was when it was projected on it didn't look like it was projecting onto the players but it was definitely there when when you watch the highlights it's definitely there at the start of the match but then later on in the match it's not there so i I yeah, don't, okay. There's some yeah, sort of trickery good. there, but it it is very distracting. So if you want to go and see that, it's it's uh, the Sharks versus the Sun Rules highlights are on YouTube. And yeah, uh, I agree with. I was going to call him Alan from Dundee because that one written down as well. <laughs> 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 um, I we had a lot of people get in touch with us about the rash of parody accounts um, that we covered last week. Um, Rory, you um, you brought that up as your hands in the rug, but somehow I got the blame. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sorry about that. Yeah, well, the... I, I, yeah, I just uh, I tend to just sort of put it out there, and then I
1: did
2: I... I did notice that I did notice that that one of them changed. Hugh Jones changed into I think the Water Boy. Yeah, which at least is something different. Um yeah. and I noticed that uh, one of them changed their location to apparently not funny or something like that. Yeah, that was
1: what. Um, that was, yeah, that was I... Hugh Jones or something changed initially. I mean the i think the worst one was the finn russell one that added pete horn into some abuse um yeah and that that's not no it's just not on um the big bad box one keeps asking people what the rules are because people keep telling they're not funny and he keeps saying i didn't know there was any (laughs) rules um A couple of them have upped the game, but not many of them. Um, I think... think, Some of them them have given up and just said, I'm not bothered anymore, but seem to still be tweeting.
2: Yeah, I think... I mean, the the rules are that if you... That you're...
1: I've written them down if you want them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would imagine the rules are that you have to clearly show that you're a parody of the character because otherwise you're just passing yourself off as someone you're not and you're impersonating. So... I've it got... has to actually be comedy to it, because I mean if you that's the only way you can rip films off in other films is if you say it's parody, but you, you know, it has to it has to be it doesn't have to be funny, I suppose. Look well, at all the um look at all the, the kind of um scary movie and that sort of thing.
1: True. I've I've written down ten rules for parody Twitter accounts. Um all right. just to help them out. Um so if you're listening guys, um, you know, I would say keep up the good work you know yeah get, get, um, t- get so, in
2: touch we'll do a special special yeah
1: um the rules for parody so rule number one never ever break character rule number two never ever break character rule number three work out what your angle is and stick to it if you can't stick to it it probably hasn't got legs and you should give up no retweets unless they're accompanied by a comment no sycophancy no come on scotland or anything like that uh, rule six less is more rule seven if it isn't funny don't tweet it Rule eight: Don't at me. I don't care. Rule nine: Seriously, don't at me. Get out of my mentions. And rule number ten: I've blocked you all now, anyway. Um, so that's my uh, that's my ten rules to the. Um...
2: I would say yeah. If you want to, if you want to know how it's done, look up Unreal Gavin Henson. Yeah, he's been doing it for years. Uh, He has,
1: and that's that. Some of those genuinely come from me having a quick look at his account. He doesn't. He doesn't retweet. He quote retweets. Uh, He he never says come on wheels, anything like that. He sticks to character religiously. So yes, um, he's well worth a look. uh, the other one I've had is I've got Alastair McFadden on Twitter uh, who said his hands in the ruck is the short memory of some fans adding players into abuse and mourning the result a couple of years ago we'd be delighted by handing uh, tr- by having tried chances in Dublin maybe we could enjoy the upward journey um,
2: uh, I've got f- a few more uh, English guy in Edinburgh University Student Union, which was obviously full of English people, who called him uh, called Alexander Thompson pathetic for cheering a French win.
1: <laughs> That's pathetic. That's just
2: um, Ian, who flew from Edinburgh to Dublin to be amongst his own people for the game, and ended up in the three sisters surrounded by Irish people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there's no, there are no Scots in the centre of Edinburgh. It's Australians and Irish. Everyone knows yep. that. <laughs>
2: Apart from the enclave at the Edinburgh University student. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was one also who said, uh, Parkey, who said, refs pulling back quick taps as the scrum half guessed the mark one millimetre incorrectly in a, in one second, whilst then letting a fly half walk 10 metres past the mark and kick to touch, despite the ref and the players taking five minutes and marking it clearly. Let the game go.
1: Yeah, I've uh, got one from uh, tweets by Ian on Twitter, who said uh, his hands in the ruck was... Island kicking to the corners uh instead of taking the points it felt disrespectful up until the point where they proved it was totally the right move with two tries for three <laughs> attempts <laughs>
2: yeah i mean the first one yeah uh, you did you did sort of cheer when they overthrew the line out to to Watson but yeah, yeah it didn't take them long to to get some points no um, after that but that
1: John did you Rory hasn't bothered with one then have you got one
0: uh, well i had i had uh... Been planning a Wayne Barnes rant, but oh, uh, I did. I had as well. <laughs> but um, the other one I've got on uh, it's actually a suggestion from Chris uh, on the Rugby Forum is actually regarding Eddie Jones. So um, he, he's he's pretty upset with Eddie now. As a Scotland fan, I don't know why he's upset with Eddie, but, uh, but he's suggesting that he's possibly gone a bit hipster in terms of his back row and that he's doing it ironically.
1: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> So, that, I mean, that can be the only explanation for doing, you know, the, the, the definition of madness and repeating one's actions. So, yeah, hipster ready. There we go. I um, I don't know I I
1: can't hear the name Don Armand without thinking of Matt Berry in Toast of London saying it. <laughs> Every time it's say like, yeah. Don, Don Armand, Don Armand.
2: I, I don't watch nearly enough Premiership rugby. I don't know who any of these guys are that they keep putting in the back row. I mean, at least... At least I knew who Billy Vanipola was.
1: Yeah, well, it was like I thought Don Armand was 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 a parody or was some made up like joke <laughs> English player, a bit like Cubby Boy. Like <laughs> for yeah. Wales, it's like they've just made this this guy up. This is some sort of in joke in, in English rugby. Like Um
2: I did, have... I, I saw yeah, then I saw a picture of him and I thought. He just looks like the Uruguay Sevens team. I don't know if you've seen the Uruguay <laughs> Sevens team, but they've all got like these big curly dudes and headbands, and they look like they're all just uh, what was the name, The Honey Badger? Nick, yeah. Uh, what's Yeah, his Nick name? Cummings. Yeah, Nick Cummings. They all just look like they're on a stag do and dressed <laughs> up as him. And then I saw that this Don Don Armond, Armand. and and uh, and I thought, oh, he's on the stag do as well.
0: <laughs> as an aside, have either of you read either of Nick Cummings' books? No, no. Oh, I would, I would highly, highly recommend. I think it's t- Tales of the Honey Badger and uh, Stories from the Honey Badger.
2: Right. Nice. Uh,
0: yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Classy titles. No, they are exceptionally funny. I would highly recommend you, them. You do know that Book he, corner.
1: yeah, you do know that he, uh, he won the national championship in Norway for uh, rugby. What? Yeah. He, Did he his brother his brother lives in Norway and was playing for Stavanger. Um and he was there and they managed to get he was there and they were a player down. And he managed to get the paperwork completed in time <laughs> for him to play. Um that's it's amazing. on the there's a story. the whole story's on the internet the the internet somewhere, but it was on his Wikipedia page and I thought that's that someone's put that on there. But when you follow it through to a link, it's there's a story about how they were playing a short, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just play." So they got him registered, and yeah, he won. He won some sort of cup for uh, Instavanger. Um Legend. I, what was that?
2: Well, the book corner that could be a new feature. Yeah, well, that's there it. There you go. Yeah.
1: Um, well, if any any books you want to recommend, um, send it this way. So long as uh they're written by people that we approve of, and we'll happily recommend yeah. them. Um, I did. I had. <laughs> I, I did have Wayne Barnes, but you've covered all the points. Um, I was going to mention, uh, Rory. About, I don't like him using the first names. It just sounds like he's one of those cool school teachers. Um <laughs> I kind of want somebody. I kind of want at one point because was really doing my head in all through the match. I just wanted somebody to turn around and say, "Actually, can you call me sir?" <laughs> <laughs> um But I went with what
2: yeah. I've got... I you. Yeah, because yeah, he called he called Fraser Brown replacement hooker.
1: Yes, replacement called, called number. He called Blair,
2: Blair Kinghorn fourteen. He said sorry fourteen. Yeah. After he, he whistled them off an advantage
1: or something, which yeah, just sounds too. It just you can't. I think you've got to be consistent. Either you memorise everybody's names, including the subs, and you and you pally with everyone, or yeah, you call everyone by their number or position. I don't. I think otherwise it comes off like you're being chummy with one side, whether you are he or did not. did Also, sorry, gone. Well, I was going to say whether or not you're chummy with him or not, and I don't think he lost us the game, but it just it's perception. No. Perception, I guess. You know. Yeah,
2: he also I spotted him. Uh, he also did shout... Use it, Gregor, uh, to <laughs> young Gregor Laidlaw at, 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 at the back of a scrum. So maybe, maybe it's a thing thing called, for people called Barnes. Maybe it's Possibly, like yeah. Family,
1: family thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually went with my main hands in the ruck was uh, head impact assessments, um, and the fact what's annoying me now is we are the pretty much the only team that's being honest about it. Um, the, the 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 Healy. Um, thing where he was clearly, clearly had taken a knock, was receiving treatment on the field, and w- w- Scotland got turned over. But Scotland got turned over because Pete Horn didn't want to run into a medic treating somebody who was clearly concussed. Mm. And I was a bit. It was frustrating that they, that didn't. I think as it's you'd go to a scrum in that situation, but it was frustrating that Barnes let play carry on and didn't say, "Oh, hang on, we've got a medic on the pitch. What's wrong?" And then Healy's there, clearly getting treatment to his head. And, you know, Nige in the France game was there straight away when, you know, Jail um, you know, Jail Baird or Gilles Bait was getting, you know, saying his, his head. And, uh, you know, we we pulled off... Well, quite rightly, Wilson goes off. That's fair enough because he didn't come back. But, you know, we pulled off Kinghorn for a, you know, a suspecting... You know, we've got Dr. James Robson, who's the world leader in this sort of thing, admittedly. But why aren't other teams pulling players off? Why are they... Not being I honest.
0: It was really, really, really disappointing with Barnes as well. In the with the Ryan Wilson incident, he played on for quite some time after Wilson went through and was clearly injured. Yeah, and then as once the play ended, he sort of came back, sort of jogged half half heartedly over to to check on Ryan Wilson. And as he's going along, he, he's sort of saying to I can't remember which Scotland player it was. It's like, oh, your, your man's down. He's, he's, he's badly injured, or something to that extent, or the, there's been a serious injury. It's like, seriously, Wayne, if you think there's been a serious injury, why have you not stopped the game by now? Yeah. This is insane.
1: Yeah, he did check. I think he did say, Do no, I need to stop the game? Which I'm assuming was to mm. a touch judge. But I do take, I think if someone's down and Wilson was clearly sparked out, well, he's you should, done, you should stop the game. Um, so, yeah, that was my hands in the ruck. Yeah. Any more for any more? Are we all done for this week? I think no.
0: we've went to about four hours by now. So yeah,
1: um, yeah. Well, we, we get stats on these things now. People, there's a, there's a sharp drop off after an hour, but some people. <laughs> do. I don't know if that's because people tune out and then listen back in again. Because we don't get. I don't know about that, but yeah, people do drop off out after about an hour. Um,
2: yeah, you only get an hour for lunch, don't you? Well, that's or true, or a, commu- or
1: commute. a com- commute, yeah. So, um, yeah, we do try and keep them to an hour, but there's, and I did think this one would go to an hour, given we lost, but yeah, there you go. Um, uh, anyway, we will be back next week uh, at some point um, once we uh, figure out our schedules and coordinate ourselves, probably Tuesday night, um, as normal to review the Italy game. We'll have a pod the week after where we'll look back at the Six Nations as a whole. We've got some exciting plans coming up for April, Um do leave us a review. Do tweet us, uh, message us, whatever you want to stay in touch, uh, and we'll do our best to get through them all. We're getting a lot of contributions. Thank you so much. Um, we, yep. We're going to struggle to read them all out, but um, you know, keep going, and we'll uh, we'll read it out at some point. Um, but for the minute, um, it's bye from me and bye from Rory and John. Right. Bye. Bye.
2: I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and I'll punch the man who says I'm not. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm
1: happy, and I'll punch the man who says I'm not. I'm happy, I'm happy. Punch. I'm happy, I'm happy, punch. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy.